Welcome into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Bredos. We have arrived at episode three. As always, we need your help. Please subscribe to the Soccer OG, rate and review all the great comments we've already received. Thank you, but let's keep it going. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to your soccer football podcast, but we believe this will be your best choice. Coming up today, I will be joined in the business end with Juan Arango, an incredible talent in two languages of the beautiful game. We will talk about all the big topics of the weekend, and we'll also roll up our sleeves and look closer at the situation in South America. The return to normalcy from the pandemic has been a hard path. What is the exit strategy and what lies next in a very busy calendar? As always, I will be wrapping it up in stoppage time. Today, a look at Zlatan returning to the Swedish national team. Subscribe. That's the key word of the day. We are off and running on the Soccer OG. Okay, we are back here on the Soccer OG. It's been really enjoyable to be with you these past couple of weeks. We're going to keep it going. Again, please subscribe. It makes a big difference. Leave a comment and a rating. And uh, tell a friend, as I, I pointed out. So this week, we're going to have um, Juan Arango join me. And I'm going to needle him a little bit because he has been taken back. And we American soccer media, we're, we're a little... Uh, we can telegraph our stuff. And anytime something happens with the U.S., Twitter becomes, in our little echo chamber, you know, a love fest. We're going to win the World Cup in 2026. No, we're going to win the World Cup in 2022. We may get a little bit carried away, and he's kind of at wit's end. So we'll needle him a little bit. But he even sent me something uh, in in advance of our conversation, and it was uh, a guy... Uh, a Twitter handle comparing Sergio Dest to Danny Alves, saying he could be as good. And he's like, this is what drives me crazy. But, uh, you know, I'm the prisoner of the moment. There's no doubt about it from time to time. But uh, what I see him score two goals for Barcelona. And Lionel Messi with his big grin on his face as he embraces him as if he has found this secret weapon. Then uh, I'll get carried away. This was This was immense. At the way they played him. They've just unearthed this weapon that could put them over the top in their pursuit for winning the Spanish title, which is going to be a fantastic race. He's happy. And, uh, you know, Christian Pulisic got back. That's good. He got back in the starting 11 for Chelsea. And that's going to be a very busy club. A lot of good stuff. Look, we have USA-Mexico to look forward to this week. First time since September 2019. Even though this is a youth game, it really isn't. It's not a first-team squad, but the United States and Mexico both winning their first two games, setting this up for the winner of the group, and then you got to win in the semifinals to qualify for the Olympics. It's very important the U.S. do. This is not the ideal team. I can't imagine a lot of these players being on a World Cup qualifier. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Sam Vines if he gets stretched a bit as the fullbacks, maybe Jackson Yule, not as a starter. So uh, this is a good... This is what the coaches said. They're going to get a lot of games. You're going to be in a big pool. And guys, they had to stretch themselves to get this squad. Remember that some guys had to go, leave the team. And uh, some guys are playing that uh, Kessler out of New England. I mean, come on. That's amazing. And they're seizing the opportunity. Defense has been good. 
the the Mexico team they're playing is star studded. I mean, they have five or six, even more, if not more. I mean, they were bringing guys off the bench like Jota Jota Macias. Uh, they are like go six deep in the attack. It's a very good team. So it's going to be a firm test. So enjoy it because we'll have more Mexico games here in the not too distant future. Next possibly one could be the U.S. and Mexico in a final or third place game for the CONCACAF Nations League on June the 6th. And then possibly a Gold Cup final, which they have. They always have a, a 50-50 chance of making a Gold Cup final. One time, one year it makes it, and then another time a Jamaica slips in. But generally USA-Mexico are in the final. And, uh, and then we'll have a qualifier in November. And this is going to build it. And I, I believe that, and I don't think this is a good thing, that the United States and Mexico are going to start pulling away from the rest in CONCACAF in qualifying because the talent's too good. And there's a dip in Costa Rica and Honduras and Panama, the teams that have made the World Cup most recently through CONCACAF. And then you wait for Canada and then surprising Jamaica with uh, the possibility of naturalizing uh, several British players like Michael Antonio, who is a go. Not everyone, I think, has signed up, but we need the depth in CONCACAF. Otherwise, it, uh, it's not taken as seriously on the world stage. I think I covered everything. Let us get going, all right? We're going to have the business end coming up here with Juan Arango. We're going to tangle. We'll have a very interesting conversation about Latin American soccer. The data from South America is frightening with regards to COVID and new strains. And, you know, Brazil is is pulling up to the bumper. It's actually gone past the numbers of hospitalizations and mortality than the U.S. hit. You know, the U.S. had that. It's now Brazil is on a trajectory to pass that. And that's, you know, we're into uh, going into a second year of this pandemic. That's, it's horrifying. But it's also throughout South America. And they're squeezing games in. And they're getting games through. So we'll talk about that, the challenges. And uh, just waiting for good news. Because where there's a return to the stadiums for some fans coming up. That's not the case in the United States, in Europe, Mexico, they've come back. That's not the case right now in uh, South America. So we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the Spanish race, and so much more. And USA and Liga MX, MLS relations. That's in the business end. At the very end of the program, stick around for stoppage time, where I'll be discussing Zlatan back with the Swedish national team. What it means. This is the Soccer OG. Subscribe. Talk to you soon. We are back here on the Soccer OG, and this is the part of the show where we get into the business end. I'm going to go heads up with a journalist, a broadcaster of high ilk here in North America. <laughs> Juan Arango. I've been broadcasting with him recently doing Comebol Properties, Copa Libertadores Sudamericana. So it's been great spending some time with you down in Miami. I'm back in Los Angeles. Hey, I, were you blowing it out in South Beach this week? What's going on? Oh yeah, of course I was, man. You know, my I was actually I actually gave the makeup to the guy that was dressed, you know, dressed up as the Joker. Yeah, that was me. That, that, that was that was me. You know, and and actually, yeah, actually, yeah, actually, we were the ones that ran into the transformer that blew out half of the light, the electricity oh. on Miami Beach. Would yep, you settle you down? Me, I'm busted. Did you bring it down a notch? No, we need we need the we need the you grid how, to be you up. Know how it is down here? You know what I'm saying? That is crazy. That little stretch of that yeah. little stretch of Ocean Drive. 
and people everything i was in miami it's everyone's everyone seems to be uh complying with everything and safe distance places are open but it's not out of control and then boom no just that area just that area is it seems like you know it just seems like an insane asylum <laughs> and, and, I'm, and i think i'm instantly i'm insulting insane asylums to be honestly because there's a bit of sanity in those compared to what's going on Can you on send the me the uh, the article that the clevelander which is like the lion's den of ocean drive was going to close doors because it was yeah. getting out of control i thought that was a sound a sign of the apocalypse how bad it certainly was if the clevelander is refusing business that shows you how serious it is yeah, it, 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 it's it's pretty bad. I mean, you know, I mean, between that, I mean, look, I lived on Miami Beach and there's a reason why I don't live there anymore. And that was one of them. I mean, I, you had actually I had a gunfight in front of a a uh, public pool where I used to, you know, near my house or near my apartment on Miami Beach. And I was somebody just stood up in front of the bus and did not let the bus go because they didn't let her in. This was, you know, way back. In, the bus was already packed and they I mean, you couldn't even fit a needle, much less a person. And she just pulled out. So she's, it, you know, as Billy Corbin says, because my Miami, I hey, respect the people that go down there because you could be taking your life. The respect of the people that live here and have but to deal with that. My mom is in 52nd <laughs> and Alton Road. So that's where I stay when I'm down there. And uh, it's we're not too far, but it's, it's, it feels like I'm in a uh, hundred, uh, you know, a thousand miles away, even though it's five, but still. You're surely a few. You're surely a few miles up, so you get to see everything from above. That's it's kind of a godly bit of a figure there, but still, I mean, I, I mad respect to your mom to, to to be able to live on Miami Beach nowadays. He's brassy. I didn't I didn't bring you on here to talk yeah. that. We're, we're talking uh some. There's so much going on, and I talk uh, about the Premier League here, but nothing really happened. That Arsenal game was entertaining. The FA Cup. I don't want to put too many chips into that, but La Liga had. Uh, an eye-opening weekend of Real Madrid go to Celta and win. Karim Benzema uh, scores a couple. I think he assists the third. And then Barcelona put Real Sociedad to the sword. And Atletico Madrid churned out one settled result. They're still in first. But it, how long before Barcelona or Real Madrid or both are in front of Atletico? Because this is the as, as good as I think Barcelona's played. They have uh, fixed some defensive issues. They don't have Champions League now, so they can really focus on La Liga. I thought Ter Stegen was fantastic. I'm not burying the lead here with Serginio Dest, and I'm going to sit here and wave the American flag, but, I mean, that's a game-changing situation, right, Juan? Because that's what they want from a, a wingback. They want that guy to slip in there, and then Messi's combining. That, that to me, seems like a, a major detail. I mean, not even a wing back. He didn't play as a wing back. Further back, yeah. Virtually in this, yeah. He, he played. He played more as a winger at, at, at in this match. So it was basically a backline of three with Mingesa over there. Of course, there were a couple of early on when it when when it was still scoreless. You saw a lot of times when when Raul Sociedad would try and and attack Serginho Des back, and because Mingesa wasn't closing in, it would force Frankie De Jong to be able to come in and close in and in, in, in a one v one defending. Well, that's not Frankie de Jong's uh, forte. So we start there. And if it weren't for a couple of interventions by Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, I, the yeah. game would have been a little bit different. And let's, let's start there. But Serginho does, just as I've criticized him in the past for, for games that he hasn't been at his best, today 
was he was sensational. I mean, he he was absolutely sensational. He looked in sync with Messi, especially the, the first goal that he got that pass by Messi was just silky smooth. Everything just worked out so well with him, and it's been working out so well. It just it was just a matter of reps for him to make things happen. So again, Barcelona playing very well. You mentioned Karim Benzema, who in my opinion is probably one of the top, I guess five best players in the world five right best now. Best players in the world, I, 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 and I can't even argue that. I, I would say. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and if you did, I wouldn't have a problem. But, but just to see where that team would be without yes. him, not just this season, last season too. I mean, he was he was a very important part of Madrid's title run in La Liga as well. Uh, and, and ever since Cristiano left, you, you don't see a player that has been as consistent as him in a Real Madrid jersey. So that's another thing one has to look at. And, and to answer your question about how long it could be before before Atleti end up dropping. It could be when we return from the FIFA break because they play Betis and Sevilla back-to-back in Andalusia. And we see how Betis is doing there. They're not playing too shabby. And Sevilla comes off a miraculous draw where Bono, because he ended up, you know, bumping fists with Haaland, ended up, you know, being bestowed some type of goal-scoring powers that he's been able to score just as many goals as Chicharito did last year in MLS. (laughs) I like it. Nice Nice little full stop there. Atletico, everything is so difficult. They look so bad. And uh, and we're going to talk Champions League in a little bit against Chelsea. Luis Suarez was, you know, I was thinking Barcelona, after getting so much stick for letting him go there for basically for free, hearing, oh, what a mistake. They must have been going, was it? Luis Suarez scored the goal here and he was good, but you could see the limitations uh, for an, a guy who's getting into the older part of his career, and then they they rely on him so much, and if it doesn't work, and then you have Jao Felix, who's it, it's just pieces of a jigsaw piece, a puzzle that don't fit. Yeah, yeah, and, and Jao Felix didn't play today because he was on yellow card suspension. But but for me, the player, and more than Luis Suarez, to me, the player that has been able to just improve leaps and bounds for Atletico Madrid has been Kieran Trippier. I mean, to see him, how he plays on that right side and seeing how he's able to, to, to even whether it's on a set piece or if it's in the run of play, of course, the goal that Suarez scores is basically across from Trippier. And to see how he's been able to play at the right at the right fullback at the right fullback position, to me, it was just amazing. The improvement compared to when he was at Spurs. That being said, he I guess he's that type of player that you don't appreciate what he's doing until he's not there, case in point, during his suspension and seeing how bad Atleti actually was without him, without some type of provider out on, out on the wings, without a Yanni Carrasco, who was in very good form in November, December, kind of dipping as well. So the, it's not just Luis Suarez that has dipped in form. It's a lot of the other players that have also shown some dips. COVID, well, COVID, you can't even use it as an excuse anymore because even when they were ravaged by, you know, different you know, types of COVID by, I think it was 25 different individuals yeah. that have and suffered even for, Diego for a year now. It's been different cases going and, on and on. Exactly. And on top of that, when they were being affected by COVID, they were still 10 points away from the rest. So, I mean, it's these types of things where February, March end up being struggles for a team like that. Are they going to be able to recover? That's going to be the big question. Diego Simeone, I, I would imagine if he wants, he could coach their for on a lifetime deal and you know to be critical of atletico is uh, it's not really fair because they're not playing with the same deck as barcelona real madrid they still are a selling club even though the jao felix 
transfer broke all sorts of records. You know, if their players are in demand, they're going to sell them. And you can see guys like Rodri and so many others that are doing yeah. well elsewhere for a high price. So, but I think maybe a victim of their own success because they have had Champions League breakthroughs. If not for COVID, maybe they go deeper last season before getting bounced out in the quarters. So it's it's tricky to uh, I, I'm a little cautious about being too uh, critical, but there's also a feeling that the tactics that De Simeone has always instilled and has worked tried and true, just not having that same effect. And if they turn around and look, they got a win here, they're maintaining their lead as soon as those two clubs got right on their bumper, but it's, I, they're not going to, they're not really fooling anyone. People can break them down. I think some of the tactics get even more negative in these big games. Like we saw against Chelsea where mm -hmm. it never felt like they were in it at all. That second leg, it was never a situation where they were going to close the gap, but I, maybe I'll apologize to Simeone at the end of this uh, Juan, but it is, it's mm -hmm. difficult. It's, it's a hard watch and it's not getting the results it once did. It, well, I mean, it's gotten results. Yes. I mean, they beat Barcelona earlier this year, not the same Barcelona that's playing now, albeit they were able to beat Liverpool at Anfield last year. And it wasn't the same Liverpool as now. And we're talking about completely different, um, a completely different aspect compared to what Barcelona is going right through right now. Uh, the big thing with me is that with Simeone, he always, when he loses, he always wants to say, we are the underdog. And still, you see that they're one of the teams that in the last few transfer markets, they've been one of the teams that have spent the most money. They have been, uh, I don't know about keeping on par with, athletic, with, with Real Madrid and Barcelona, or even a PSG or even a Manchester City, but they've been up there in terms of, of spending. So, so they are a spending club as well. And, and let, let's not let's not you know get that twisted. You know, Thomas um, Thomas Partey ends up leaving for Arsenal. I think that was a big loss. But you start to see how he but is that a move how you long make it's taken. If you're in the situation, of course. But if you're in the Atlético, obviously he didn't quite fit there. But is that a move you make in order to maintain? Well, he he at one point was the captain. So, so, I mean, and he did have success, but I think that, I think that the, the, the Simeone factor ends up, you know, running you into the ground. I mean, look at Herman Burgos, who ends up leaving, you know, the right-hand man. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's as if, you know, Simeone lost his right arm when Burgos ends up leaving and going now he's at, at, at Nozo Boys in Argentina. And you actually have a coach in Burgos that would say, no, Diego, we do it this way. This is how we're supposed to do it. We have to go out and do it this way, that way. He did offer that toughness. He was that assistant coach that was a little bit more. Now with Nelson Vivas, you don't have that. You don't have it. It's more like, okay, sure, I guess, I agree. Yeah, you know, you Diego, have yes, man. Although, you know, <laughs> yeah, Diego, yes, man, unless he gets mad and rips off his shirt like the Incredible Hulk. One of my but favorites. That's a, that's One of my favorite fact. videos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so we start looking at that. I mean, at, at Atleti, at times it's more of the mindset that oh well, you know we're the underdogs. Oh, you know boohoo us. But yet when they win, it's like hey, you know we're we're on par with Real Madrid and Barcelona. No, it, it can't go both ways. And, and I think that that act is also starting to to, to wear thin on, on many people. It's going to be a compelling watch with these three. And and yeah. I will say that Barcelona <laughs> much more impressive this weekend than Real Madrid. Celta stayed within reach and then Real Madrid put it away late. So, but still impressive on the road and without question, Benzema, without those goals, they're not in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and they're not pushing these top two. They're just 
he's the guy. He's the guy who keeps getting it. It's interesting, uh, the pushback from Zidane, critical of the situation on the French national team where he can't get called up, but far be it for me to be critical of the French national team when they are the world champions, probably the favorites to win the Euros, if not one or two, three of the favorites. But uh, it's a good thing for Zidane because Benzema's all his. I think that's the ideal club player when you have someone. You want him to represent the national team, but if you get to keep him without the heavy workload, then you're going to get a sharper forward and you're going to get a guy who probably can play a little bit longer, make him whole, get the big deal, make him a Real Madrid player for the rest of his career. Now, yeah, you're absolutely right on those points. And, and I'll accentuate one of them that you mentioned that he's all his, he's all Madrid's, but he's all Madrid has. Yeah. Because if you start looking at the other players on, on the list, it's like, you know, Jovic had to go on loan. Mariano really hasn't done much. Uh, who else? The <laughs> you kids, know, you none of the kids at, have come through. They haven't come through. And Vinicius Jr. hasn't come through. Rodrigo hasn't Valverde's come through. Valverde was better last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, but I mean, but Valverde still Valverde is not a forward. No, I'm just talking about generally all the players helping out in course, the buildup. Yeah. But yeah, right, goal scoring. That's that's the the one the, guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at it, the second leading goal scorer after that would be Sergio Ramos. The one after that would be Casemiro. That's not good. So so that that that's that, <clears throat> that's not good. But as long as you have Karim Benzema up top scoring, and you have that those three players in Modric, in Kroos, and and you start looking at Casemiro as well. And of course, being able to bring in a Valverde. I mean, mind you, Valverde is only 20, 21 years old. Let, let's 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 be honest. He, he plays well beyond his years, but still, he's he's still in his very early 20s, and yet he's been given the keys. He knows what it is. He knows what it takes. And injuries have taken a toll on him the past couple of years. Real quickly, let's let's gauge it. I think it, it looks like Barcelona. Everything's coming into view. The fact that they don't have Champions League, uh, I think it gives them a really good shot. And it could really end this season on an incredible high note. Even if Barcelona come close, Laporta's there. I thought, I want Messi to leave because I want to see him on this. I'm excited as a fan to see him take on a new challenge. And I thought he was going to leave when he said he was going to leave. But everything's falling into place where I think it's pretty, if I was a betting man and I don't bet on sports ever, yeah. he's going to stay. Everything's in the success. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Can, can you repeat that again? Because what you, you think he's going to stay? You said? I think he's going to stay now. I thought he was going to go. I think he's happy with the leadership. He's happy with the manager. He's happy with the teammates. He's happy with the kids coming along. Uh, he was happy today. And uh, yeah. And he was happy when Laporta was talking about having him yes. stay. But when he was, when he was doing his, his inauguration. And speech. I'll also add moving right now and anyone else, Someone has to come up with this, a serious offer to really pull him over and say, we're going to give you all of this to come here. And is there that kind of money for him? Certainly it's worth it because there it's, he's a cash cow in a lot of ways, but mm -hmm. we're talking about what three, $400 million. I don't know what for everything it's going to have to be mm -hmm. huge. But, but, but if, if, I mean, if you remember when that, when that uh, front cover of, of uh, El Mundo came out and saying, Hey, Messi has a contract of 555 million or something like that. That's an investment. I mean, if it's managed properly, it's an investment. I, I don't care who you, who you are. If, if a team like Paris Saint-Germain or a team like Manchester city want to say, okay, fine. Boom. Right there. The money's there. They know that, okay, fine. We're spending 500 million, but we're probably going to get, four or five, even tenfold 
in the long run, when we have Messi as our ambassador, as our guy wearing our jerseys and all our all our brands, now that's, that's something. I mean, look, even if we look at it from a much smaller scale, if you want to call it small, the Argentine national team, okay? The Argentine national team, when they were doing their world tours and their friendly matches in Singapore and in Malaysia, there were two prices for Argentina if Leo Messi was playing. I think at some point there was some friendlies that were about 1.75 million for the game for the national team. And if Messi didn't play, it would go down to like 800,000. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I mean, you, and you people would fan, pay it if you know people the would pay it. People would pay it. They would gladly pay it just to see Messi. That's part of the reason why Costa Rican fans are to this day are still so pissed at him because he did not play in that friendly at the national stadium in Costa Rica when they're inaugurating that stadium a few years back. And he was saying, well, no, 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 this and the other. And they gave, and he gave 25 million excuses. And of course the following year, Keylor Navas would come into Real Madrid. And that's why many in Costa Rica tilted more towards Real Madrid than Barcelona at that time. But that's a different story, but they still to this day are pissed off at Leo Messi. Many of them are because of him not playing that inaugural game with the Argentine national team against Costa Rica. What an amazing burden on that man uh, for all of this. And he, you know, 99% of the time he hits his, uh, his obligations, but uh, you, you can't, yeah. it's, it's, it's one man. So. I mean, I mean, you know what it is that, that you have to play that every single game you play your, your, your standard is to score a goal. Every single game he's obligated. And so far in 2021, he's done that. So I mean, damn, what else? Can, I mean, at, at 33, he'll be 34. And in June, he's still scoring a goal a game, every game so far this year. So, I mean, and he's got, he's got Serginio Dest now. Another American doing great, Juan. Christian yeah. Pulisic started to mm-hmm. look good in the FA Cup. I think the U.S. are primed for that 2026 World Cup triumph. It Just lock it in right now. Yes, yes. And, and Christian Pulisic will win the Ballon d'Or this year. And I, th- I think um, Zach Steffen will be the Golden Glove of the of FIFA this year. Of course, everything. Yeah, I yeah, knew I was going to. Because I follow your Twitter game. And you're like, you, you, you harness some of that towards the U.S. <laughs> fans. I, I've been... No, There's not American fans no, thinking but, they're going to win the 2026. I, I'm excited about it. I've never seen anything uh, like this. I, no, no, no. Let, 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 let's let's keep let's make this straight. There are fans that are reasonable. There's fans that aren't reasonable, and that every single country has them. Which part of the growth of the game here is that there's a lot of them that are unreasonable. I mean, because I don't get it in Argentina. What? what, well, what I can, you, no, you, you've seen Argentine I know fans. The Argent, I can expect it from the Argentine fans, the German they, fans, or the yeah. Spanish. But the American, no, I mean, I, I want to go to this. What are you, what are you saying? Just pipe in. Well, Even Bruce Arena was yeah, asked because we got knocked out of the 2018 <laughs> World Cup. We're not going to win it. Wait, wait, wait. T- t- time out, time out, time out, time, time out. Bruce Arena is the last person that should be saying absolutely anything about But he that. said they weren't. Because he was the one. But, but he was the one a few years back that he was a few years ago that he said he, they were. That's right. So where are we? I think we're going to you know, be, I, mean, I think. He thought he was going to lead them in 2026 because, I don't know, I, I guess that's, that's the thing. But 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 he's the last one that should be saying anything. I mean, but going back to what you said, you're, I mean, yeah, there, there's fans that, that are realistic. Yeah, no, we're not. We still have a long ways to go. But there's still some that if they hear from certain people, oh, yeah, the U.S. is going to win the World Cup in 2026, they believe it because, they're relatively new to the game. They're, they're, they're getting informed and it's, it's fine, but sometimes you have, you have to say, no, no, hold on. There's still processes that you have to go through. There's yeah, exactly. Kind of pulling the reins a little bit and you know, but there's some that, that 
there's there's no way to, to kind of control that. They're just kind of like a wild stallion out in, you yeah. know, out in the valley. I will say this, and I'm part of the machine, but like we on Twitter, every time someone has a great game, Polisic, Dest, McKinney, and I'm there yeah. tweeting it too. And I feel like a bit of a donkey sometimes. We're all doing it the same way. We're pretty, uh, as, as as our media, we're, we're all excited. So we just want to get, have a part no, of it. No, no, no. I want to have a taste. Dest scored it. Yeah, I tweeted yeah. that immediately. Of course. But, Look, you're talking to a guy that in 1994 was watching my people from, you know, from Colombia wearing jerseys. They were, they were getting ready to play the world cup in 1994. I, I was at, at the game where they played Milan here. And you were supposed, was supposed to win it in 94 Colombia. They had no, they had people wearing Colombia world champs. Even for the world cup. That was started. Pele's fault, by the way. He said he picked them to win. Oh yeah. Between him and Mick Jagger. I don't want my team. I don't want him rooting for my teams. Mick Any Jagger picked Colombia. I mean, I, no, Mick Jagger picked everybody like in 2010 Columbia. as soon as they got eliminated. Watch out. Also watch out for Saudi Arabia. What? No, every team that he, he started rooting for, he, they ended up getting eliminated. Oh. Even Brazil, man, because of it, he had a Brazilian girlfriend at one point, rooted for Brazil, out. You know, I think I think it was during the, I think it was right there in 2014 in the World Cup when 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 they lost to Germany. It's not a World Cup, by oh, the way. You, I, I don't it's want not it. a World Cup if a camera doesn't pan around and Get a, a image of Mick Jagger there. He's a huge football fan, and he's always there. So yeah. I would miss it if he's not. And, there. and actually, yeah, and actually, I think he was actually him. He was wearing no, he wasn't wearing. I, I hope he wasn't. He he was wearing a Colombia jersey at one point in the World Cup in Russia, and I said, "Oh, we're gonna lose." I think it was the match against Japan. And and, and they Throw lost. Him like, What's he doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. You jettison those types. I of would fans. just put this on the, yeah. the U.S. We are on an incredible trajectory. I've never seen anything like this. This the, the yes. team does need a few elements of toughness, experience. We know a bit of cliche with all of that. A little grit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the experience will come, but I keep checking off this list, and more and more guys you can rely on. So when Christian Pulisic gets injured, and now has this situation with Chelsea. I still feel comfortable because there's so many other options. You know, we don't know who the number nine is, but then Sergeant Josh Sargent starts scoring, scoring goals, Daryl DK. You have a collection of guys. Are they Kareem Benzema? No, but it's, no. there was really one option in every position for so long. Our fullbacks, we have like five or six. So I think the U S will never struggle qualifying for a world cup again. I'm going to knock firmly on wood. I hope not. I'm I mean, a, especially when a 48 team <laughs> I ended up having eight crow. I ended up having an eat crow in 2018. I thought the U.S. were gonna uh, were gonna go to the World Cup in in, in Russia. I I honestly did. I, I honestly, I was like, I, I, you can't have so many things go wrong in such a short period of time. I just can't. I, I couldn't felt it about three games in. I go, they may not make it, and people said you're crazy. I go, I don't know. I thought you were crazy. What are you talking about? I was one of them. <laughs> I just I, felt I, it because I, I was I watching the games. I go, I mean, when you're dropping points at home to Costa Rica, and you're like, wait a minute. You got to win your home games because remember, Concacaf is a pain in the rear if you don't get it. But I think they're going to make inroads. They'll be maybe by twenty. I would say twenty twenty six quarterfinalist with a with an maybe an eye to move a little further. But that's a good goal. Maybe it, you obviously have to win maybe. a group to get that far. But I think it's all capable. Maybe, maybe. I mean, we're not. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that that it's it's a reality, but I, I think it can. It's, I think there's potential it's for better that. than it used to be. Why not? And then these, the, the thing is uh, for us who cover the sport, it's going to be good because a lot of these guys are going to have a lot of commercial success. Huh? They are going to get attention for a variety. There's so many candidates that could do it uh, in the United States or on the global stage marketing wise, obviously huh. 
uh, having an American player that you can promote and market is going to be a big positive heading towards 2026. And those, those things get in motion now. So even if it's not success on the field, you're going to see it. And the sport is going to, its profile is going to head up, which is great for all of us who cover it here in the United yeah. States. I, I mean, when you say that and you have a point when what you're saying, because, uh, there, there's a lot of factors to look in because we've seen teams that have been absolutely amazing over the past 15, 20 years that have not won a World Cup. And yet you say, well, yo, this team was amazing. How, how could they have not won one? How could they have not even gotten to the semifinals? How come they didn't you know, even get out of group stage for that matter, if you start looking in hindsight? And, and to see that, I mean, we've seen Argentina struggle. We've seen Brazil struggle with the names that they've had. And we've seen Germany get knocked out in the first round of a World Cup. So of course, there's a process that has to go through, but but I think the most important thing that we have to see with this U.S. generation is them playing together. How many matches have they played together in an official match? I think maybe one or two. Maybe the last one was back in 2019 in the Gold Cup. So, yeah, once they get that continuity and and maybe maybe even start looking at a new coach that can be able to implement all these types of, of pieces. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Greg Berhalter at all. I think you could you could compete for big names on the international stage with mm-hmm. guys that have had success. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll give Greg Berhalter some credit in how, the last few months. Uh, I think he's mm-hmm. he's gotten a lot of players into the mix. <clears throat> yes, he has built a, a, a roster. He's he's done well. Whether it's his give him credit or other people in mm-hmm. winning over the dual nationals, Yunus Musa, the latest. Yeah. So I, yeah. I trust me. I, I, I Greg Berhalter had the gig, and I said give him a shot. And so far, I've been happy with the results. But he's not yeah. gonna. He probably's not. He'll be here for twenty twenty two. But a second cycle, you know, usually managers don't do that. They have in the United States. But I'd be curious after the 22 World Cup, if maybe not, maybe someone else, if if Greg Berhalter has a good World Cup, then it'd be, I, I, I would doubt it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. If, if, if he, if he tears it up, then, you know, I, what I said is like, you know, you know, what was I thinking? You know, it, it's those types of things that you understand. Well, yeah, I guess I was wrong. But, uh, you start looking at, at, at a team that is a much different dressing room at that point. You have players that are much higher profile. It would be totally different than the team. And again, to me, the generations that that are that are most relevant in in, in the U.S. Were, were that '90 team that, of course, ended up you know, going through a whole decade all the way to 2002, and then that 2010 side. Those are the two generations of reference. And, and this group is totally different because they did they had you know, the experience of being in Europe, of developing in some cases in Europe, most of them, if not all of them. But that again is one of the things as, as a manager here, having to deal with a different mentality. And Greg Berhalter, yes, as you mentioned, he's adequate, he's done his job, but how far can he take him? And at that point, who's going to be able to take that team from that point on out? Because there has to be a, a an objective at the long run what is the objective is it because hey let's win the world cup is, is kind of a vague objective how we win the world cup and and what plans are in store to win one or have that as an objective is the more important thing and finding who is going to be that person to do it is even more so because that that person can guide these players that come in with a different set of, with a different way of thinking about football compared to previous generations that's a great point juan and i don't think people mention that enough yeah. is you're going to have a European-based roster from this point for the foreseeable future. You're getting these guys getting world-class coaching. You know, I mean, Weston McKinney's at Juventus being coached by Andrea Pirlo alongside yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. 
You're going to get this top tier coaching all over. We have guys at Barcelona. I mean, the list, it's the biggest clubs in the world. And you may get some lost in translation because they're going to be used to certain things. They're going to be used to first. They're going to be first class everything, which sometimes the national teams lag a little bit behind and maybe it forces their hand. But still, I mean. Yeah, but we're still talking about, you I mean, it's not like, you know, the U.S. isn't, you, you know, U.S. soccer is not one that's lacking cash. So if they need to go and go first class, they can. So that, that, that's that's something that can be done. But, it, but, it's, but it's, it's just the, it's the players that are going to facilitate that because they're going to be like, hey, we, of course. we we're getting this coaching and they love Berhalter and he's brought there's a good spirit around this team. Yeah. You want it. I think that's yeah. why Eunice Musa did it because he looked at the kids alongside him. Like, These are a great group of guys. Let's uh, let's let's. I want to be part of that. They're my guys. They're my guys. He felt, he felt part of them, which, which was so important. He didn't feel a part as much of, of the other national teams. He's like, Hey, these are my boys. The other guys are just guys that I played football with at one point. And I, I think that's, that's a difference. You have a different kinship in, in terms of that's why he ended up, you know, picking what he ended up picking. And it's just a, a microcosm of, of, of not just the national team, but just the culture that needs to be fomented, not just within the national team level, but within the sport itself. Because I remember talking a few years back to, to Harold May Nichols. Okay. And he said, you know what? When the U.S. as a footballing nation finally gets what they want to do. And he asked me, he asked me this. He goes, do people play soccer for fun or do they play for competition? Hmm. In the United States, they've, they, is it? Yeah. They've, it's competition, isn't it? Uh, no, 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 you, no, there's no, there's no wrong answer. The thing is that it took me so long to, it took me as long as it, it took you to. to <laughs> Just like, to I, like I don't that. know. Yeah, yeah. It, but, but he said, that's my point. It took you that long to answer it. Therefore, there has to be something wrong in terms of how the establishment is. You can't, you can't be a competitive team. You can't be thinking at a high competitive level, but yet think about having to eat oranges and, and bananas at halftime. Orange peels get such a bad rap. It, it kind of, <laughs> but, the orange slices but, but, but you see my, Yeah, but, but, you see, but you see my point though, what, what he was trying to say is like, well, you, it's either going to be a recreational sport or it's going to be a competitive sport. And we still haven't figured out the complete answer to oh that boy. question. We have a long way to go. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's a great, but, hey, but you know what, but you know what we have a, we've gone. A, I mean, if you take stop right now, take a look back, look where you were, you were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, four years ago. I mean, I was in a, I was in a four hole in a wall ready, crying myself to sleep when they didn't qualify at the world cup. It's a much different, <laughs> I was, I was, by the way, that, that thing, that, that thing is, do we play for competition or for fun? It reminded me when I got to ESPN and one of the producers said to me, yeah, are you here because you love sports or are you here? Cause you want to be on TV. And I stopped for a minute thinking. <laughs> I did say I love sports. I love sports. Well, let's yeah. let's move. Let's sure. quickly get in here because I obviously now we we took a lot of time with that, but it was a great topic to discuss. Champions League uh, games are April the sixth and the seventh, so we can talk more about that mm-hmm. as they get closer. And a lot's going to change between now and then, I am sure. After the international mm-hmm. dates, there is one side of the bracket: Manchester City, Dortmund. And then you have Bayern PSG. That's the, the, you know, the nightmare side you don't want to be. And then the other one, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, Chelsea, people are, are, are listing Man City or Bayern to go win it. And I'm just like, pump the brakes, man. This is wide open. PSG mm-hmm. on their day could beat Bayern or Manchester City. 
Man- Manchester mm-hmm. City, everything's come so easy. That bad patch is going to hit them at some point. You don't want, you hope it's not then. And Dortmund with, with Holland are invigorated on the, the Champions League stage. Porto, uh, underestimate at your own peril. They're playing Chelsea. No one wants to play Chelsea the way they play right now. They could make a run. Mm-hmm. Liverpool is poor as they have played. They got by Leipzig and they have made two finals the last three years. And Real Madrid's Real yeah. Madrid. So this is this is not a loaded side of the bracket to me. This is a tournament of life. And I could see five or six different variations of a final. I'm going to pick right mm-hmm. now Manchester City Porto, but don't hold me to it. Manchester City Porto? Yeah. Is that crazy talk? It is, isn't it? I'm still thinking if it's competition or, 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 or recreation. <laughs> what but, say uh, you? Uh, Liverpool could get past Madrid. Yes. They have Barca. In the, they have Barca in the middle. Yeah. Remember, they have Liverpool, then they have a classical right, right smack dab in the middle on April 10th. There's and so the return much leg. Stake. I mean, yeah. I, Dortmund are trying to get in the top four. I don't see. That's the one I don't think mm-hmm. will have a shot because. They're yeah. being weighed Dorman, down Dorman, I, in the Holland situation. Yeah, he throws his jersey off. He's unhappy. They got to make the Champions League, I think, for him to stay. But otherwise, it's it feels like these these teams come in with everyone has some sort of predicament. Liverpool is going to be battling to make the top four. It's there's a yeah. lot. I, Bayern are having their their, their predicaments yeah. as well because I mean the they injuries. They can't stay healthy, but yet you have you know, Robert Lewandowski, who's you know who, who can still score at a furious pace. You, this, this weekend, uh, they get a red card, Alfonso Davies, and then yep. they just tear their opponent to shreds. Who was it they played? It was uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart. It was just a lambasting with ten men for the whole game. It's it's like a, it's like. You know, it's like Canelo right now. He can fight with one hand behind his back and can still beat half of the people, you know, in, in boxing right now. Unbelievable. That, that's that's how, you know, him, Amanda Nunes too, tie her legs together. She can still beat everybody. You know, I mean, that, that that's how Bayern is right now. That's how much of a competitive beast Bayern is. And, of course, they, I mean, mind you, they still have a bit of a of blood in their eye after getting eliminated from, from the from the Pokal. They want to win the Champions League again. They know that there's a lot of things that, that they have to, get back together in order to do it. But still, we, we see so many people come in and step in and, and, and the losses they had, you know, if, if we want to talk about uh, Goretzka, excuse me, not Goretzka, but um, Tiago Alcantara ends up leaving. This summer, David Alaba is going to be leaving, but then you have Upe Meccano coming in. Bayern, Bayern have this just revolving door of players that come in and contribute so consistently. It's hard to be able to count them out. PSG is another team that is already more savvy that they just recently went through an exorcism of sorts by getting rid of Barcelona, by being in the final last year. And, and they look like a mature team. I, I think that they, they could be the only team that beats Bayern. Yeah. But and they remember how, the, City, how the game they played in the final last year, PSG had their moments. They could have easily tight. won that game. Yeah. Yeah, and if it weren't for Neuer and on a couple of occasions, they could have. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Bayern Munich is it really is the best team. They're the uh, if you want to beat the yeah. man, you want to be the man, beat the man. But repeating is difficult, so I, you know you can't you can't assume anything. This is going to be a good tournament. Do you have a pick? Do you have? Yeah. Oh, oh, like, man. I didn't want to make a I pick this either. I, I know I'm going to be wrong. I have I have to I have to go with Bayern. <sighs> You're going to pick it to repeat. No, no, but I, I think I think you're thinking Liverpool, aren't I you? I think City, 
Yeah, no, well, I mean, I think Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Because this, this, this is their tournament. I mean, as much, I mean, even, I mean, they could be at their worst and you can still not count them out in this tournament. Maybe in La Liga, you can say, okay, fine, they're done and dusted, which they're not. But still, you, you go and say, you know what? This team somehow in Champions League finds a way to get through, especially if you give them a home and away, a home and away format. And, and I think that's the big difference here. Juan, we've been uh, immersed in South American football. Got to call the Libertadores. It's an incredible competition this year, obviously, with its challenges because there are no supporters and there's no tournament that misses its fans more than this one because it's electrifying mm. the fans in Brazil, yeah. Argentina, everywhere, Chile, all the ultras and the, mm. the inchas are something to behold. Uh, but with our know-how and you, my friend, when it comes to South American football, are an encyclopedia I I, I I I lean into you a lot for some of the stuff because I'm not I think I'm living it but you uh you I know you every day you're reading the articles in two languages in Spanish and Portuguese uh finding out what's happening and you you enlighten me with some of this stuff so it's uh <laughs> uh, you 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 do you do your part too it's not it's not just you know me here here Max here just have this read this yeah. you know no it's not me translating you steer stuff me in the you. right it's, direction I mean, you, you do your part and I, oh, okay okay good good you're making me look too good just, but it's uh it's an interesting time <laughs> South America feels like it, it, yeah we're all you know you're the, North America's getting its bearings in the, the post pandemic I hope that's where we're in right now yeah. Europe's obviously having some challenges again in the, South America we don't talk enough about it but it's really problematic did a Libertadores game and the days where in American sports where you you hear someone's got COVID it's usually an isolated incident maybe it's a guy or two or a girl or two on a team and then Ude Chile are preparing for their second leg against San Lorenzo and it's like 10 guys and Chile was a place yeah. that was getting a good vaccine rollout it was a place that was a bright spot. It's getting the best. It's getting the best vaccine. It's getting the best. Actually. And then that happens. And I'm like, what? 10 people. Remember the, in the thick of COVID, we would see these things and you go 10 and you go, okay, now we're moving away, but it's, it, it's still an issue. Uh, I heard there. But ancients had 21 what? at one point. That's but right. But all these national. Yeah. Boca had 18. The Uruguayan national team had 12. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, I, it's a, uh, and they're like, well, find somebody else. Let's go. We got to keep get the games under the belt, which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. They've got finished their Libertadores Sudamericana. They've started the 2021 edition. Uh, and I hope they get easier sledding coming up, but we can't assume anything. And I know the Ude Chile players had to go through hell and high water. They're quarantined in their hotel and then they, their airport hotel, hotel, airport, home. Uh, it, you know, there's flights that aren't being allowed to land with some of these teams. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty hairy, but through it all, well, yeah. I don't think, I mean, fans, fans coming back, that seems, I mean, there's an, there's a plan in place here. There's going to be one in Europe. I'm hearing it's in Mexico. Nothing down in well, South America. Mexican fans are there. Mexican fans are back. Yes. I mean, if you see America, America and Mazatlan right. this past weekend, there were fans there. For, for the classical between Chivas and America, there were their fans. What is the what do you think the uh, the concern level is? It's it's I mean it's extremely high. I mean that's for, that's not I mean we're not that far off from having Defensa Justicia not having players not being allowed out of Chile because they were apparently 
you know, they were apparently being told that they were positive and the government wouldn't let them out. And, and then the common ball would intervene and they would have, to, you know, they, they ended up having to move Coquimbo's actually, I'm sorry. Um, it was Coquimbo neither. No, I'm sorry. Not, not defensive. Who's I don't, I, I, did Coquimbo I forgot, get forgot relegated? It. Yes, they did. They, they did. And they, and they, by, by little against Colo Colo. I mean, it was it's that type of thing. So, so, I mean, you have all that crazy stuff. I mean, we, we, we have, we have seen so many things in South American football that have been absolutely nuts in terms of, of, of seeing, you know, COVID cases. Uh, the Sao Paulo state tournament just a few days ago, they were going, they're about to shut it down. And then the state of Rio says, Hey, by the way, if you want to play Rio's like the Florida of, of Brazil, <laughs> to be honest with you, Rio's like, Hey, if you want to play, we're here. So they were actually considering taking the, the Sao Paulo state tournament to Rio to play it. There. That sounds like while they're playing simultaneously. That sounds like Florida. Hey, <laughs> Florida you don't have to ask me twice to go yeah. down to Rio. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, oh, it's uh, that, that's the problem. And, and you have Brazil that have been probably, I mean, they think last week they surpassed the US on average daily deaths oh my because of COVID. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it, it's that type of thing. I mean, not only do you have the Brazilian variant, you have the Amazonian variant. Then you have, I mean, like each state. I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit. So there isn't an like Amazonian variant. There is, yeah. <laughs> Actually, from what I've heard, people say, but I mean, that, that's the type of thing that's going on as well. And each government has had their different ways of managing it. Uruguay just ended up, you know, getting vaccines. I think it was Thursday. Argentina ordered some of the Russian vaccines and like 90% of them just magically disappeared. Mm. So socially, there's an issue going on there as well. Colombia hasn't started. And that's why I said Chile right now, by default, because they're actually they're rolling them out people. or doing the best. But they're vaccinated. They have the best rollout by default because nobody else pretty much so is. They, they nobody had, else if they had one anything. vaccine, they'd have the best rollout in South America. Well, if they had one that's... vaccine, they're the only ones. So you have that. Then you have Comable telling you know, the Colombia and Argentina, hey, by the way, we want to have fans full stadium. At that point, say, hey, come to Florida. You know, he might as well say that too, you know. The, the, but, the Copa America is going through. I mean, they're saying. It's, it, they've already confirmed. confirmed they, already, they already, last week, they've confirmed the dates. They confirmed the stadiums. They confirmed the times. They confirmed the teams. And now they want to make sure that they have at least 30% occupation in the stadiums for, for those matches. I mean, I think tickets are supposed to go on sale in the next week or so, like something three, like that. Three months away, right? So that's not. That's yeah, not it's in June, June, June 12th. No, it's not a lot of time. And it's a 10-team tournament, I mean, they have so to, they're going to play 10-team group yeah. stage or five teams, and they're going to eliminate two teams. No, no. And it'll be... They're playing a tournament. They're going to play a tournament no, to eliminate tournament. two teams. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, of course. They're playing an entire tournament to eliminate two teams. That's not good. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and you're playing a tournament simultaneously in summer and winter. Unbelievable. I look, I, I'm all so for it, have... but it, it clearly the one thing we've learned is football will go on and it is going on. And uh, South America, mm -hmm. they're going to pour out games. We're seeing it not just in the international, uh, the mm -hmm. national teams, the local tournaments, the cup tournaments, they're all happening. So, yeah. And, and to boot, when the, the teams that come out of Argentina and are going to, you know, playing the third place, they have to fly five and a half hours to go to Colombia to play the, the third place match in the final. That, Makes zero sense. And or now, less than oh, zero can I add sense. this one too? Can I add this one too? And, and I, give me, actually, you know what? I'm going to look for something really quick. Um, 
in terms of, of World Cup qualifiers, and I'll give you, actually, you know, I'm going to use Colombia as an example. And I, I'm, I'm doing it right I, now. I see you doing to, it right now. Let's... Prove a point. Just to prove a point in terms of, of, of because Comabos talked about playing three matches in September, October, They have the and two November. games they have to make up as well, which they've rescheduled. So yeah, it's so, packed. So, yeah. So Colombia plays Brazil at home, flies all the way down to Paraguay to play, then would play against Peru in Peru. But that's over what, seven so days? About, that's over seven days they play three matches. That's too much. So from Colombia, from Colombia, from Barranquilla to Paraguay is about a four and a half, five hour flight, four and a half hour flight, excuse me. And then that's about another two hours. And then the European based players have to fly across the Atlantic on top of coming back into the Atlantic. So, so you, I mean, you got some pretty nice freaking flyer miles yeah. there. I didn't know then you were in the flight that, business. It's pretty thorough. Yeah, and then they play Argentina and Ecuador and Venezuela. And so, so I mean, you start seeing all these the things. The width and breadth of the continent. To, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going and you're playing in the heat of Barranquilla to the cold of Buenos Aires to the, you know, to the height of, of, of La Paz, which, you know, it's, it's like nosebleed would be bearable compared to anything else. But, you, I mean, it, it's not like Europe. I mean, to play Champions League in Europe, if you go from Spain to Russia, it's maybe about two and a half hour, three hour flight. That's as bad as it gets. Yeah, it's cold as, as can be, but you don't have to go, you know, 11, 12, 13,000, 14,000 feet above sea level and play Bolivia. Oof, my, I'm struggling breathing just hearing that. But, and I yeah, know they talked course. about doing it at a, uh, at a neutral ground and there's no home field advantage, but Bolivia and Ecuador are at altitude. There is a decisive advantage there as they're accustomed. Yeah. So they don't want to relinquish that. We're talking about the World Cup. Yeah. We're talking about the World Cup qualifying. Yeah. We're like, wait a minute. This is been, we've been to three. We haven't been to one since speaking of Bolivia, since 1994. We're not we're not just flipping away and, and saying, they're not okay. gonna and they might not be to one, they might not be to one since, until 2094, the way they're playing. No, no, I don't see it, but I still don't see it. No. Uh let's but still it, it keeps them it keeps them in, in the mix. Let's wrap up with this. Um Johnny sure. Fantino uh, was asked about a combined Liga MX MLS Super League, and he said it could be the biggest league mm-hmm. in the world. And it certainly would be. I don't know how it would work. Mm-hmm. The commissioner, Don Garber, has been asked. He goes, if anything like that would happen, it's still way, ways away. But when I hear the head of FIFA saying it and more people saying it, it tells me at some point, in some capacity, this is going to happen. There are going to be a heavy calendar between the two leagues coming up this year, but it's not a league. Uh, the idea of a league, and it let's logistically an absolute nightmare, and I don't know what the MLS owners would say to each other because you're going to have to face some sort of relegation tiered system uh, to accommodate all these teams. We have 27 MLS teams. The list is growing. You would have the, the 20 uh, Liga MX teams and – the idea that you could see for, I would say, look, the, the top tiers of Mexico, MLS has more to gain from this. The top Mexican teams yes. are a huge draw. America, Cruz Azul, Chivas, Pumas. Uh, to, and then there's a, there's a less of a drop off. You have a, a group like Seattle, Toronto, Atlanta, LAFC. It's not etched in stone, etched in stone ruling class in major league soccer. And the gap between them and the next one, I don't think is that large. It's growing a little bit and it needs Mm -hmm. to, because you need the super clubs. The super club situation makes it more compelling across the board where you have those matchups. And I think that'll be a draw. So I think when you keep hearing about it, it's going to happen. The MLS side has to to lift it in there. 
if FIFA's talking about it, that's a good sign. Ifantino made a really good point that this North America has to do something to distinguish itself from the top European leagues and having an international three country, including the Canadian clubs, a three country league Mm -hmm. would do the job. I would imagine that would be a really exciting proposition, but again, uh, it is a logistical nightmare to get from here to there. Man, that's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Um, Yes, it would. But my, my question here is, uh, with everything that CONCACAF is looking to do to kind of, quote-unquote, even the playing field, it would kind of end up, end up distancing everybody else because, you know, as much as people want to – I mean, people want to see CONCACAF be competitive, but at what expense? I mean, you see the Saprisas of the world wanting to bang on the door, say, hey, by the way, we're here. We have our history. We can do this. The Olympias of the world saying the same thing, too. That first and foremost uh, – you mentioned something about the MLS owners and, and how they, they would want to play this. Uh, they don't want relegation. Depending on the money. They don't want, no, they, no, 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 nobody who spent, you know, if you talk about the owners of, of like teams like Charlotte and, and, uh, and I mean, I think uh, Austin came in the Nashville, new clubs I, 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 that would come in. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, team, the teams that have spent over, over a hundred, 200 million plus to get into MLS. I, I don't think that any of them are going to relegation. No, no. Oh, no, oh, you're no, in the no, second no. division I, with I, I, Mazatlan I and uh, Ciudad Juarez. I, what? I, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, you'd have to talk to, I mean, that's a board of governors issue. The Mexican league is the clubs as far, as long as they can play in the U S as long as they can get the U S money, they'll, they'll send their teams anywhere. It doesn't matter to them. Uh, there is, I, I think that's the easy I would part. Say, I don't mean to interrupt you, Juan, but I would say yeah. there is a lot no, no, for no. the Liga MX to uh, embrace, or they would benefit mm-hmm. a lot by that league too, because they can get their foot firmly into the U.S. market, which they already are. They're the most popular league here, based on viewing numbers. Yeah, of course. But if you can get this and be at the stadiums with some regularity and get into the the U.S. media bloodstream, which is nothing compared to what they have in Mexico, but it's burgeoning. Yeah. And you could do it. That's a, that's a big win. And they, they got to get, you know, it's, they got to get younger fans. I know that's uh-huh. been a big priority for the people yeah. in power. And maybe this is a pathway. And they got to look for other markets too, because they, they've, they've for many years uh, depended solely on the U S market. And, and it, it's weird that, you know, we live in a country where our league, you know, the league here is not the main league or the most popular league in, in, in that country. It's it's you know the Premier League or La Liga or of course above them Liga Yankees that are 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 even more popular, but um, Liga Yankees has to start worrying about MLS encroaching in other areas in Europe and South America. Liga Yankees isn't seen at all in Europe. It's not really gone into South America as much as one would think. I mean, you look at ESPN and Fox and all these other sports networks in South America, of course, now they're one, <laughs> but uh, they talk more about MLS than they do about Liga Mekis. Yeah, but I was, and I, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you this because I, I, I watch it. I mean, I, I, I but no, but watch you're it. on the post. I'll just leave it at that, you know? Part of the MLS model was what Liga MX did so successfully in getting these South mm-hmm. American players to come there. You know, the first was yeah. Alex Aguinaga from Ecuador. And then all of a sudden this yeah. Colombian uh, FC Porto, but two guys mm-hmm. from Club America that are now in a quarterfinal, in the champions league that they got 
yeah. from South America because they had the scouting. And now MLS obviously saw that and go, well, let's do that. Although they're going a little younger with the players. Although yeah. League MX did get some good, young, talented players too because there's money there. But that's the first, I mean, that's the first step. And I've, I've seen it. You'll turn on through social media. You'll see little clips and they're, bueno, la, 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 LA Galaxy. And you see the club names yeah. partnered with the players and they're talking about it so yeah. matter-of-factly. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, Carlos Vela's LA Gal- LAFC, you know, that type of thing. I mean, you, you see that, to, or, or excuse me, or if you even talk, oh, Diego Rossi and LAFC are playing so-and-so and whatever other team, you know, that type of thing. Or, 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 or now David Beckham's team is playing. Is playing equipo so, de David know, Beckham, yeah. Inter Miami. Yeah, so... Yeah, so you see you see that going on, while in in Liga MX, and you, you can go all the way back to to the days of of Zagin or of Zage, excuse me, back in the '60s, and then of course his son a few years, you know, a few decades later, that they started to kind of delve into that a little bit more. But from a marketing standpoint, a commercial standpoint, it's been the early 2000s to now that you've seen that. Of course, yeah, you mentioned Alex Aguinaga. So, yeah, so Aguinaga would probably be the the, the most relevant name in, in, in that generation. Yeah, Chaco Jimenez. Uh who was, you know, a big guy at Boca and he wasn't their biggest star, but he just blew up in, in, uh, in at Cruz Azul and, and Liga MX and Cardoso when he was during Saturnino, his days yeah, well. Those guys, I mean, they became yeah. bigger than life. And then uh, who, Hernan Cristante, not a big star, but Argentinian guy. And he's made a 25 year career as a player and a coach. I mean, that's a lot of, that's yeah. a good, that's good. Yeah. And, and, and mind you, and mind you, remember, there's been players like Emilio Butragueño, like Michel, like Guardiola, who ended up going there. I mean, a guy I worked with, with, with in Ivan Zamorano, who's, who's, who's revered as an America player. So, so I mean, these types of, you know, Francois Mambillic, you know, a guy from, from Cameroon back in the day. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. I, re- I remember when Michel and Butragueño went with Celaya. I was like, what is yeah. going on? Juan, I knew this would go it was super long, but uh, we'll we'll do this again pretty <laughs> soon, okay, man. You're man. the best. You're it's like yeah. it's so easy to talk to you, and I always feel I get a little smarter as a result. And uh, are are you are you sure about that? I am a hundred percent. I oh, okay, okay, cool, man. Juan Arango, my wife usually says, Jack of all trades, great broadcaster in English <laughs> and Spanish, great writer too. Appreciate your time, my friend. Stick around here on the Soccer OG. We're going to have extra, not extra time, stoppage time. You should know my own segments. Stoppage time. I'll be talking about Zlatan and Sweden. Welcome back to the Soccer OG. This is stoppage time where I put myself on the clock. I get to stop it whenever I want to talk about a topic that's near and dear to me. Today, the news that Zlatan Ibrahimovic called back in to the Swedish national team for two World Cup qualifiers by manager Janne Andersson. He has certainly earned it by his play. He's uh, a, a fixture for Milan who are battling back, had a great victory over the weekend to keep their pulse going in the Serie A race. Yes, he's 39. And after his stint with Major League Soccer, he has continued that momentum. But this is a unique and uh, difficult, at times, conversation to have about Zlatan and the national team. Because it hasn't really worked. And in fact, his absence is when Sweden has looked their very best. He is the top scorer in Swedish national team history. And his, his time with them could go back to 2002. So... He is obviously one of the biggest stars on the planet. 
And I don't know if coming to these qualifiers means he's going to be in the mix for the Euros. I would imagine it's a possibility. And uh, the Euros is, you know, they could use all the help they can get, although we're going to have a lot of stars there. We won't have Erling Haaland, unfortunately, but you will have Kylian Mbappe in the French, Cristiano Ronaldo in the Portuguese. You'll have you know, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, <laughs> João Felix, Leroy Sana, Alaba, Pat, uh, Harry Kane, Kevin De Bruyne, the English players Rashford and Sterling. You'll have those established stars, Robert Lewandowski, You'll have some of the new guys, Jaden Sancho, Kai Havertz. And uh, plenty, I mean, I looked at the fixtures of it, and there's really not many games that you go, I don't think I have to watch that. There's usually something compelling. I mean, Russia, Finland, but I'm going to watch that. I'm I'm into all of it. But there's a way you can promote and spin every game at the Euros, even though there's an expanded field. But still, Zlatan there would be a big draw. You look at the uh, his international history, and it's uh, perplexing. In 2002, lost to Senegal. He came in as a sub, really. Euro 2004, they were in the quarterfinals. He missed a penalty. 2006, scored a ton, was a featured player. That in the German World Cup, they got to the round of the 16 and lost to Germany. 2008, out of the group, had an issue with Lars Lagerbeck. That was in the Euros. Now we start seeing the personality of Zlatan come through and how it collides a little bit with management, which is not to be surprised. And the personality there is, you know, it's if he is with the team at all times, you're going to have the press conferences and it's going to be Zlatan, Zlatan, Zlatan. The cameras, there will be more media and they'll be covering him. And that's fine. As we continue on, It goes to the 2010 World Cup. Sweden did not qualify. Euro 2012, he had the goal of the tournament versus France. It was really the moment you thought he was going to come through and have his moment. They were out in the group stage. 2014 World Cup did not qualify. Zlatan got upset with his national team and uh, turned on the world of football, so to speak, with the famous quote, Without me, a World Cup is not worth watching. Well, he's wrong about that. In fact, that World Cup was fantastic in Brazil. Incredible performances, incredible games, and the world was involved. Really? Remember, you had Costa Rica. You had the CONCACAF teams do well. You had the South American teams do well. 2016 Euros, he was remarkable. 11 goals in qualifying. But in the competition, he had one shot for Sweden. Last in the group, one goal as a team. I would think that was rock bottom, and that's probably where he's thinking, I need to get an outlet or an escape plan from Sweden. As we got to the 2018 World Cup, he was retired, and uh, when Sweden qualified, there was talks of a comeback. Everyone's like, we want Zlatan, and Jan Andersen said he would not call him in. Everyone clamored. Ibra blamed the media. And uh, everyone thought Sweden was in for a real hard time. They need Zlatan. How could you turn him away? Well, Jana Andersson knew something at that point. He knew he had a good squad that was a collective that worked for each other. Ola Toivonen and Marcus Berg were your scoring options. They would open up with a victory over Korea. They would then lose to Germany 2-1. And then they would thump Mexico 
3-0. Sweden would go through with Mexico in the groups. Germany out. So Sweden was part of that. And then he would go to the, or then they would go to the round of 16. They would beat Switzerland. And in the quarterfinals were favorites by many to beat England. And there was chatter going that Sweden could win this World Cup, right? There was one of eight teams. They had incredible spirit. In the end, the English, the English were too many. Braveheart. So they lost to the English to zip. The, the England would see their run out of the semis. But the reason I bring that up is the one time Zlatan wasn't around, they had their best World Cup. They made the quarterfinals for the first time since 1994. And when you looked at the quarterfinals setup, you said this team has a pathway to winning the Cup. Yanni Anderson's instincts were right then. Maybe they're right now to bring him back. Maybe he'll know his role. But if he does come on to a, a team playing in the Euros or the World Cup, you got to get ready for the Zlatan Circus. That's not Zlatan's fault. That's how the media will approach it because it's the biggest competitions on the planet. You also got to remember that if things go wrong, we know how Zlatan is. And he, you know, may make it about himself. He may argue, why am I not playing these times? We're not scoring goals. And that can undermine it. I would also say it's a young man's game. And so many times some players stick around a little bit longer and it rarely ends well. I recall... As a team, Italy bringing back everyone from their 2006 championship team, and they were out of the groups in 2010. That old guard. Spain, 2010 champs, brought everyone back in 2014 and laid an egg. Sometimes you, it's good to make a cut, and you let these guys like Alexander Isak, Isak start to bloom, who is the, maybe the next big thing. So while you get excited with Zlatan coming back, just keep in mind where it could go wrong. But I, for one, would be happy to see him there. It's a great story, and we're talking about it. Thanks for tuning in to The Soccer OG. A reminder to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you again next week for another Dapper Dapper Show. Dapper Dapper Show.